listeners, podcasters, lovers, and friends, welcome back to the Mad Life Podcast. I am Jeremy. And I'm Sawyer. And I'm Byron. And we are so glad to be back with you all to finally tell you what's been going on in life. Uh, I know the last time we spoke, it seems like it's been some months because it has been, but that's okay because I can finally say that we have all passed a very significant milestone in this medical journey called Step One. Cues high and claps in the background. Yay! <laughs> so, fellas, how was that? How we really was that do, experience? We really for do you? need some. Um, we need some sound effects like. Nah, it'd be it's okay. Be nice. <laughs> so tell <laughs> fellas, tell tell us, tell the people in the audience how that experience, just getting over that, briefly was for you. Step one. Uh, we kind of touched on it last episode, but just to reiterate, it was a doozy, um, but it wasn't something that was as hard as in the moment. It wasn't as hard as um, as we all thought before. Um, so you know. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and she was pretty much saying that hindsight is twenty twenty. So, of course, now I'm saying, like, oh, step one doesn't seem that bad. But in the moment, like, right before leading up to it, I was shaking in my boots. I think the most difficult part was walking into the exam and then, like, si- like sitting down to take it. Taking it was it was an exam, but the moments leading up to it was the most difficult part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we... I think we talked about it in the last episode about how it was kind of fine leading up to it and that that week leading up and before going into the exam is kind of when I got in my own head about it. Um, but yeah, we moved past it. Uh, we're now all in rotations now, which is really fun. And I think we're all going to be finishing up our current rotation. I'm on peds and really enjoyed it. It's always great seeing the kiddos, um, but I'm ready um, for the much anticipated uh, Christmas break. I am definitely looking forward to, I'm currently on psych rotation right now, which has been a blast because I've had both adults and children to experience on the, on this current block. But I am definitely looking forward to the holiday season to just kick back, relax. I'm actually gonna be going to Cancun with my girlfriend over the holidays, so I'm very excited about that and um, can't, look, can't wait to get back in January to start my pediatrics rotation. So yeah, I'm very happy. And like you all mentioned too, I know I didn't get to be here for the last podcast, but definitely anxiety is something that I had to overcome when it came to taking step one. Um, and I de- it definitely hit me hard going into the weeks leading into re- taking the exam. But um, no greater feeling than finally be able to say you overcame what everybody who has to become a doctor has overcome before you. So i um, very happy to be here and looking forward to the future. What about you, Byron? Um, what am I doing winter break? That's a good question. I haven't put much thought into it. Because of this uh, surgery shelf that's coming up, um, I think I'm gonna buy a ticket, just go home, spend some time with my mom, my dad. Uh, yeah, just spend time with family. I really, and I really value family, family now. Back for our next episode. Our next episode, Byron's gonna be talking about how much he slept. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's a given. Uh, it's really crazy. I was listening to one of our uh, episodes last week, and just hearing myself complain about the lack of sleep last year. And I'm like, dude, you had nothing to complain about. Now is, now is the time you're truly not sleeping. Um, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's kind of a nice segue to like the topic today, which is uh, things we wish we knew before medical school. Mm-hmm. And I know we briefly kind of did a uh, a run through before we started the podcast, but kind of like lack of sleep, time management, kind of stuff was one of the 
things we were going to get into. So I think this is a good transition point for us to kind of get into that topic and um, kind of things that we wish we knew before school. And so Byron, you're talking about sleep and this lack of sleep that you're experiencing on um, rotations. Did you foresee kind of like time management and having to like get rid of things or forego sleeping in order to um, be successful in medical school? Preclinicals, I was expecting to forego sleep and have to really work on my time management skills um, mm -hmm. because I really looked at at preclinicals or I was thinking med school as a whole was going to be just um, like a competition a, a, with yourself. Of course, you're not really competing against anyone but yourself. Um, but in sports and everything, you're like, oh, I have to go 100%. I have to get up at 430. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do everything that someone else isn't doing to be the best that I can be. And in the preclinicals, I was expecting that. And that's my mindset coming in. But now that I'm on the clinicals, I'm now realizing that doesn't that just simply does not work. Um, it doesn't work. And I think it's good to recognize things that work and don't work from yeah. clinicals to preclinicals, because now you can make adjustments. Um, and I made that adjustment. And I think it's, it's working well. But uh, pitching it over to you, Jeremy, what do you think um, is something that you wish you would have known before coming into let's start with preclinicals um going into preclinical years i wish i realized the sheer and just and i'm speaking from our personal experience of where we attend i wish i realized how much of a drastic volume change came between the first year and the second year um I always felt like first year I never was behind and I never really felt like the information that was coming at us was so much that I couldn't maintain being on top of whatever whatever we needed to know for that upcoming week or month. But um, during second year, I felt like I was it was a constant, constant battle of, oh man, it's just, I learned this this week and then now I'm learning 10 more things on top of that plus 20 more. And it just never really felt like I was on top of all the information every single block that we had. Um, even though, yes, we all made it through, I can't say honestly that it was a smooth sailing ride for me last year. Um, definitely filled with many ups and downs at different points in different periods of time. But I will also say I, I've always been a person that's been big on relationships, but I never really realized until this past year how significant relationships are while in medical school with your friends and your peers. Because honestly, without... Jeremy, if I can ask a quick question, mm -hmm. Go, going back to um, how you feel about second year, do you think it was the, the volume of information that we were getting or the tempo at which we were getting that information? Um, what do you mean by tempo? And then I might be able to better well, answer the, that the, question. Like how, how quickly, how rapidly we were getting that information. Like we could talk about a chapter for one week in first year and then a chapter mm -hmm. would be a day in um in second year so do you think it was okay. how fast things were going or was no, it simply just the information that we were getting i think for me personally and i can't i can't speak for both of you all but i would say i thought the tempo was about what i expected and i think because it was a lot faster pace with the sheer volume of what all we had to learn too i would say the volume for me was a lot more of a um a lot more problematic in a sense for me because I didn't have enough time to sit with it when we, as we were learning it and then before we transitioned on to the next subject I had to go back eventually during dedicated and 
really sit down and analyze what I knew, what I didn't know, what were my gaps, and then try to apply it again to prepare for this massive exam that everybody's so focused and hyper-focused on. So I would um, definitely not say that I would think the tempo was an issue. I think it's just a typical medical school curriculum. I don't think our school is any more different than that. It's just, however, um, adapting to the, the volume <laughs> was definitely a challenge but fun at the same time last year for me. Um, in terms of clinical years, I can say that I appreciate the flexibility of schedules that I didn't realize was so different between uh, rotations. Um, I didn't realize that in some rotations, not all rotations are made the same. So well, I, it's funny to me to realize that some of you all, I mean, I know I've spoken to both you and uh, Sawyer and, and Byron about different rotations that I haven't been on yet. And to see how some of you all get up before I get up and then get off after the fact, after I go get our work, and you're still your day still going is is amazing to me, you know. But I also just love the fact that there's a lot of diversity in the experiences in the rotations that we're gonna um, have this upcoming year and next year. So I think I've rambled on enough. Sorry. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take it back to uh, preclinical really quick and kind of with your um, uh, your point on the volume. Um, I've been tutoring some of the M2s and I forgot like the the sheer like load of information that we were getting at the time as like i'm talking to them because a lot of them are trying to uh change their study habits or asking me like what i did during m2 and i forgot that i was doing like you know like thousands of anki cards a day and i just forgot how tiring that (laughs) was like i just i totally forgot and then like what is it like my my like my little sib my little sib texted me and he's like i'm tired uh, like I am worried that I'm gonna be tired in the spring for step studying. Were you tired at this point? And I was like, Oh yeah, I was really tired. <laughs> You're supposed to be. And then I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, Man, I was really tired in the spring too. I was like, I think you just get used yeah. to it. I don't know. Yeah. And um, so I I did. I think it's one of those things that potentially like I like. You know, just a, couple, a few months ago, I was like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But like now as I'm going and like helping these students, I'm remembering just the sheer change there was between mm-hmm. one and two. And not to mention, it's a t- totally different type of learning that you're getting between one and two. One's more, I would say, traditional, like undergrad with the topics of science and physiology. And then in year two, you're kind of learning how to think like a cl- clinician. And that's usually something that most people aren't... Um, uh, accustomed mm-hmm. to or, or given in an undergraduate mm-hmm. settings. Right. Um, so that's also a steep learning curve um, and it can kind of exacerbate the, the, the sheer volume um, that you get in right. here too. Um, but one thing I thought about like leading up to this episode was kind of like on top of the volume um, is just like all the other things that you kind of need to do now um, outside of the classroom in order to be competitive or um, kind of set yourself up for a good residency and like this rat race of just, you know, being in leadership or doing research and making sure your extracurriculars are okay. Um, it's just really tiring. It's like a lot of times it feels like you can't turn off. Um, and it can be frustrating. Um, I did not anticipate that coming in cause PA school was not like this. Like you kind of go to school, you get grades. You don't even have to necessarily have really good grades. You just have to pass things. Um, and then when you're done, you get to work. And, but now it's, you know, I have to do well in school. I have to show this leadership. I have to do this research just to ensure, or 
you know, hope to get an interview for residency and hope that they rank me like I rank them. And so that's something that I've been, you know, wrestling with for the last two and a half years um, and hopefully have a good handle on it. But it's just something crazy I just didn't yeah. think about. I feel like that's a never ending issue with me or I would say us. Sorry, because we do talk about this a lot. Um, it's just it seems like it's never ending. And it's always something more and it's always maintaining this or it's maintaining that or working on this and working on that. Um, do you ever feel like you can, well, you said you can't turn it off, but is there ever a moment where you're like, okay, this is becoming too much for me? Um, I would say the, the, that happened last spring. It was like I got in this problem of having multiple projects that weren't moving and then they all happened at once, right? So like I got <coughs> I think like two or three projects that were moving and then I had to study for classes and it did get to be a lot. Um, but it's kind of also like what Jeremy said, the relationships that you build. And I think that's a reason why when you're interviewing, they like to see you're from an area or they like to know that you have a um, like social structure around you, um, the place that you're moving. And you know, with the help of you guys, help of my wife, my family, um, I was able to get through it. Um, but now it's like I've kind of tried to tailor my extracurriculars to like a manageable load, if that makes sense. For sure. How about you? I I do feel like sometimes it's too much, but um, frankly, I just think it's a necessary evil. Um, like like we, you just mentioned, you explained it really well. It's like you have to do these things in order to secure your future or get to where you want to go or match where you want to match. Um, so it's like these are non-negotiables. Um, so what I don't want to do is be like, okay, I'm tired now. Let me ease up 10 years down the line. I look back and I'm like, you know what? I, I really, really regret taking my foot off the gas because if I didn't take my foot off the gas, perhaps this or perhaps that I don't want to leave anything up to question. And I think, um, I think sometimes it's just about a foot of the mind, man. You got to just tell yourself I'm tired now, but, um, hopefully once I get that that match, um, it'll all be worth it. Oh yeah, no, I think uh, just real quick before, um, sorry, Jeremy, is that like one of my uh, one of the approaches that I have right now um, is like I don't want to leave any stone unturned. Um, so like any opportunity that I see present itself that could be um, something that I could do and make me a little bit more competitive, like I'm gonna jump on it and do it. Um, so I think that's a good mentality to have um, as you approach like second year or first year um, and, and preparations to match. But sorry, Jeremy. Yeah, ahead. and I would just say um, I definitely, I know I haven't had an opportunity yet to maybe do some more of the research that I, I had intended to do earlier on. But I think it's also okay in some instances, depending on what it is you want to match into in the future and what residency program you want to be a part of, to acknowledge it's okay if you're not doing those things too as well. Um, not everyone's medical journey is, is, is always, it's gonna be the same, but everybody's experiences will be the same as well. And if sometimes you feel the need that you need to focus more on academics, I think that's a very important thing to highlight as well, just to make sure that students don't feel, I mean, let me just, let's just keep it real. The more you do, and the more you're able to be successful while doing those things that you do, the better off that you'll have, the better opportunities you'll have in the future, of course. But sometimes there comes, there comes life happens, and we have to make sure that we also keep in mind that just because you may not be doing 
or running at the same pace as some of your cohorts or your, your peers doesn't mean that you can't still do the very best that you can do ac academically, whatever that is that, that you're doing for, for yourself. Um, <clears throat> and I guess the better really explain that is just to understand that life happens at different times and different periods, whether it be a, a directly involving you or not, but to be okay and to keep pushing forward with what you need to do at that moment, at that time, at that place, with that circumstance. And then knowing at the same time, if you put in, get up every day and put in the work that you need to put in, whether that be for an attending, whether that be for a quiz, a test, whatever have you, if you put, if you put your all into whatever you have presently in front of you, there's nothing hardly that will stop you or prevent you from getting where you're supposed to be more often than not in life. I can appreciate and I congratulate any and everyone who's able to balance and do well doing multiple different things. But I'm not gonna lie and say that's always the easiest for everyone, even though we're all in medical school. You know, circling back, I, I wanna add something to Sora's point. I wish I knew how much of a, like a, how much we were working for an unknown, you know, because hmm. everyone is doing so much. We're doing so much. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. we really will never, ever know until it's time to know. E even when we do match, we'll never know what's too much and what's enough, what got us there, what didn't get us there. You know, so I really wish there was a set list like, OK, this is what you need to do. Uh, there is theoretically, but none of it is etched in stone. So right now we're just working off a of theory. Um, if there was something in the beginning that said, this is what has to be done to be a successful blank candidate, to match into blank, um, this is what you have to do. If, if something like that was real, I think it would ease a lot of minds. And I think it would, I, I, would, ve I would very much enjoy that. I'll, I'll say that. Oh, I just, it's like one of the reasons why I wish I would have been like an ambassador for our school. Like I would love to know like the admissions process for like medical school and, you know, <clears throat> eventually when we're residents, we'll understand how they evaluate residents. But like, it's such an arbitrary process. Um, and I just want to know like, why was I accepted here as opposed to like not being accepted at our current program? Um, it's just always like, Byron said, it's like an unknown, yeah. but like they know it, but no one else knows. It's just a weird like gatekeeping process. Yeah. Um, and we're all kind of like chickens with our heads cut off, like trying to figure this process out and it be yeah, I'm an ambassador at our school, and I, I can definitely say doing that has been an eye-opening experience about how subjective um, admissions admission committees really can be. So, like, some things that you would think are very minute to you or to your family or friends, they really will sit there and scrutinize it ten ways to one. And it's like, are we really, like, evaluating and not accepting or are accepting for this one small thing? Like, you know, I think – what Byron mentioned earlier is, is, is funny because it's like, I feel like it's, it's sort of like a vacuum of subjectivity, whether we're in medical school or trying to apply for residency. Like he says, it's almost like we're doing all these things that we think we're supposed to be doing to look great and look like a strong applicant. But then you realize what you might consider to be strong, some people that's above you or rating you or judging you, they could probably think, oh, that's not all that much or that's not all that important. But you don't know that. It's, it's just kind of it's kind of funny or, and amazing to think about it <laughs> and looking at it from a different perspective like to be more optimistic it could be we're doing all this you're doing all this and it's something very simple that a program director or someone looks at and they're like you know what 
I like this kid because of this. And it's the most simple thing. It was the easiest thing we've done on our CV. And we didn't think anything of it. You know, it could be something but, as yeah. simple as this podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, but there's, I would also, too, tag, I would piggyback with what you just said, too, B. There's a value and a lesson to be learned in everything that you do as well, though, whether we find it significant or somebody else finds it significant or not either. But there's always something to be gained from doing different things as well, which I think, again, if you can do it, definitely try your best to do many different things and, ex and opportunities that might present themselves because you never know how your mindset might shift on certain things that you may be aversive towards or things that you really like can really help you hone in on those opportunities, I mean, on those things as well. So definitely um, the more the merrier, the more experience you can get. I know I just said don't worry about all that. I don't really mean it. Just do your best to be as actively productive as you possibly can be. And I think um, that's something that I've definitely taken into third year that I didn't necessarily consider as strongly during the first two preclinical uh, pre years. Medical school was kind of broken up into two separate components, the preclinical and the clinical year. Um, and like we've kind of alluded to in the, this conversation today is that things change going from just year one to year two and, and just definitely from two to three, which is the transition of preclinical to clinical. Um, and so Byron, I ask you, what would do you wish you knew before starting clinical year? I wish I knew how many people outside of medicine have no idea about what preclinicals and clinicals are. Um, so after, I'll, I'll give a story that'll make sense of this. After you know, step was over and I'm starting clinicals and I'm like talking to family and telling them I'm in the hospital every day. They just now assume that I'm a doctor or like my, my biology mentor from undergrad now assumes that I'm a doctor and like, we'll just be talking about things. Like, hey, can you mentor this student? Um, he wants to get into med school. Can you be his mentor? And I'm like, be a mentor. I'm a third year medical student. Who am I going to mentor? So, um, and then I have family like asking me like, oh, this is going on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm simply just a student. Um, I just wish I knew I would be getting bombarded with stuff like that. Um, that's from a social aspect, for, but for more like a school aspect, um, I wish I knew how, and this is probably going, deviating from what we talked about before, but I, I wish I knew how gratifying it would be to see a clinical presentation, take the history, take the, do the physical, get your differential and nail the diagnosis in real time on a real patient. I think there's few things in medicine or med school that feels better than that. Um, so I wish I knew the feel, I wish I knew how gratifying of a feeling that that is going to be or was going to be. Sor, how about you? Yeah, I definitely can relate to that last point that you made. Um, especially in pediatrics, uh, the last couple of weeks we started to see like some of the diseases you learn about that you're like, there's no way that, that like people see that regularly or that really comes up often. So there's nothing like seeing something that you've studied and been like, I'll never see this or it doesn't happen this way. And it comes in exactly like the textbook. Um, so that is always really fun. And just the like being able to complete the bread and butter, um, like a history, physical and a diagnosis and like slam dunking it um is those are probably equal feelings actually that i use the term slam dunk like dunking a basketball and hitting a correct diagnosis is probably a similar feeling so i definitely can relate to that 
to, um, to you can relate to I, dunking a basketball i i'm, I'm imagining that's <laughs> what i said when was the last time you dunked Byron? uh i think it was never shade <laughs> <laughs> um but my my uh my preclinical expectation or uh my clinical expectation is a little bit different um, so my previous training wasn't as, uh, like textbook medical training as, um, like med school is. So PA programs have a little bit different, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Standards, uh, I guess is a, a lack of a better term. And I didn't work with residents as nearly as much as I do now. And I see why the traditional medical education of like attending to resident to medical student, um, is so important and why that model has persisted, um, for, you know, many years now. Uh, I just, it's, it's, it's interesting the way to look at it is like graduated, um, graduated medical like exposure or, um, autonomy, like graduated medical autonomy. Um, and like each year you go through this, you get a little bit more autonomy and there's a lot to be said for like the mentoring of like watching a resident interact with intending and then watching a resident interact with a medical student. Um, like everything is like. Like, if it feels random to you, it's usually not. Like, it's well calculated on, like, this student can handle this. Um, and as you move forward and you start to, um, like, I don't know how I'm trying to say this. Like, the more you prove to the resident or prove to the attending that you can handle it, you get graduated um, autonomy. And I just appreciate that so much more. And that academic resident medical student is so much more of an academic environment that I think that clinical learning is really facilitated through those interactions as opposed to just working solely with an attending. I'm not saying that you can't learn working outside of an academic center. I just think that academic learning is way more facilitated when you are with an attending resident and medical student. I don't know if, if you guys have anything to add on to that or, or have felt that you learn way better when there's residents and like in, in a true academic setting versus not a true academic. I really think that um, just depends on the culture within that resident group. Um, I, I've had rotations where there's a certain culture in the resident group in which is like, you know, we do not like students. Oh, I, I excuse me. I haven't had it personally, but um, I've heard of resident culture, whereas like, yeah, we don't like students. Um, we're either going to give you random tasks or to, random tasks to waste time, or we're just simply not going to do anything with you. Like you're just going to sit there and not do anything. Um, so, but I also heard, like you just mentioned of positive experiences in which, like you said, graduated, um, autonomy in which like you can prove you can do this. We'll have you do more. We'll have you do more after that. And um, you can prove what you know, prove what you can do and what you can be trusted with. Um, but if you, if the culture of what's going on at that program or who you're working with doesn't really facilitate a healthy learning environment, I don't think it's going to be as beneficial as just working under and attending. Mm, I kind of have to agree more with Sawyer based off my own personal experience. Um, I felt like my resident that was in charge of me during my first half of the current rotation I'm on was extremely um, beneficial in terms of teaching and also giving us the opportunity to learn how to get, how to take a proper history. Because um, I know we, in medical school, we learn how to take a history, how to do a physical exam, but it's different depending on what rotation. I mean, it's a general, general consensus on how it should be done, but some rotations are done a little bit, di it's done a little bit differently. And um, I think to have had the opportunity to learn 
um, from a resident perspective and then follow up with an attending perspective of how they go about asking certain questions to get more history and get more under, get more information um, that sometimes a medical student wouldn't think of or even sometimes a, a resident doesn't always think of. And I think, like Sawyer mentioned, the, the ability to have the autonomy that grows with more assurance within yourself through learning during third year is definitely something that I can say I personally have witnessed and that I can appreciate um, during this medical journey. Um, I, I, I look forward and I hope that every rotation is like that, even though I'm almost certain I can't guarantee that's going to be the case. But I think that the, model, the current model that's been going on for clinical years, I can definitely see how that has benefited my learning in a very short period of time because it's amazing to think of how fast a eight or six, week, six or eight week rotation can just fly by and you think and you look back and realize how much you really learned. And um, I really have enjoyed getting the opportunity to advocate for our patients that we have. Um, I'm currently, like I said, I'm on currently on psych, so I've, I've had an opportunity to meet patients with a number of psychiatric illnesses, mainly a, a lot of people with schizophrenia, and like you, you read about it, and then you realize, oh my, the actual physical manifestation of a person that literally has this disease or this illness, or rather, is definitely is different than reading about it in a textbook. But then you talk with them, and you get a history, and you interview them, and then you're like, oh man, I, I don't think you should be here. And then you know, sometimes certain things might get spoken, and then you're like, oh okay. I kind of can see now how the criteria that's in the DSM applies to this particular person. But one thing that I can say I definitely appreciate about the third year experience is that you get to actually put a physical representation to what you're reading and learning about and doing questions. And I just love the ability to go back and forth with your attending in a positive, constructive way about questions that you might have related to different um, uh, psychiatric or even the physical illnesses. So. I, I appreciate the model, and I have to definitely agree with you, Sawyer, on loving the autonomy of it, for sure. But, um, right on, well, is there anything that you wish you knew, Jeremy? Honestly, I know I mentioned about the scheduling earlier, how some, some rotations are not made the same, but I can honestly say I didn't, I didn't have much I didn't have much up to gauge when going into third year because I, I didn't really know much about it. Um, I also didn't really necessarily read up about it a lot either, but I just take every year that we're in school as a different experience and a different approach to how medicine is taught. Um, I wish, I guess, if I had to have something that I wish I knew more about, um, I wish I knew what exactly didactic stood for and what that meant. I didn't know it just simply meant classroom on Zoom or classroom in person during the third year. Um, but I also didn't realize that sometimes didactics are not always taught by an attending or the person in charge of the program. Sometimes it's taught by residents, which I think is a very po a positive that I didn't expect because a, a lot of times I've experienced that the residents give us a lot of firsthand knowledge and firsthand experience and not just solely trying to just teach the information that they are required to teach us. So I like the one-on-one -on -one interactions and I like the group interactions that we have with residents um, so far. And um, looking forward to how that, how that changes or not, or how that looks in different uh, rotation settings. So, but other than, other than that though, I'm just very appreciative to be in a clinical setting now and very happy to uh, start this next half of our journey together down this road of medicine. <laughs>
yeah, clinical year is definitely like a um, the cherry on top of like getting through the first two years. Uh, I think most people's moods dramatically increase when they're back when they're when they get in the field for the first time, and it is nice to finally put everything um, that we learned to work. Um, especially after sitting in a classroom for two years, uh, it is awesome to be back out on your feet and having fun because this is really the the fun part of medicine. I would say absolutely, absolutely, 100%. having a great time. Yeah. I, I, I so, love not being in the classroom. I love not being in the classroom, having to read a book all the time. Even though I read a book outside the classroom now, but at least we're not in the classroom. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, your current rotation makes you read that book every, oh, every morning. Yeah. You got to go over a chapter. Right? Absolutely, because <laughs> you will get questioned. <laughs> but yeah, and he knows that book better than anybody. You would think. He oh, I tell him he's a walking. He's a walking. He's a walking manifestation of that book. And he laughs every time I tell him that, too. <laughs> but I love him. I love him. I do love him. <laughs> well, this was, a good, this was a good episode. Yeah, it was, um, it was good to get back chatting with you guys. Um, I'm looking forward to future episodes and future recordings. And um, wishing you all the best on your shelf exams coming up. Same to you, fellas. Yeah, I guess we'll actually all see each other in two weeks, right? We all, everyone takes it on the same yeah. day, so we'll see each other on two Fridays. Everybody first time in a very long time. time. For yeah. the first time in forever. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, my daughter's uh, <laughs> one of her new favorite movies. Is it really? So, <laughs> what what yeah, movie is she this? Does. She definitely likes that. She likes that's Frozen. Okay. Oh my God, uh, you didn't know that. She really likes Lion King. She loves Lion King. Hey, who doesn't love that's, the uh, the classics? That's man. an oldie. I'm shocked she I'm shocked she saw that. <laughs> oh yeah, we 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 like the cartoons um, a lot. The, past. the old cartoon Disney movies because yeah. nostalgia um, is the best. So at least we get to enjoy it too. Yeah, <laughs> um, but awesome. I look forward to seeing you guys in two weeks. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. I would imagine we have some episodes coming up as well for winter break. We should all. Hopefully have more time than we have now, so maybe we'll get another episode out relatively shortly, um, which would be awesome. So we'll try to plan on that. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. We thank you for the support. And we thank you for all the messages that we get asking when the podcast is going to be released again. Um, so with that all being said, thank you all. We couldn't do it without you. And um, this was the Med Life Podcast, and I'm Sawyer. And I'm Jeremy. And I'm Byron, and we're signing off, guys. Take care. Have a good night. See ya.